What's up, y'all? I'm so glad you're here, and I really appreciate you choosing to listen to this episode. If this is your first time tuning in, I'm Matt Algeen, and this podcast is about the idea and phrase, I'm not supposed to be here. That phrase has played such a huge part of my life, and what I've found is that it's such a polarizing term. As I started to share my life story, more and more people have expressed not only an interest, but also their own experience with this phrase. So now I'm on the journey of speaking with them to listen and to learn and hear more about these unique experiences. All right, guys, we have one of my really, really good friends. Uh, she was born and raised here in Portland. I'm just kidding. You'll, you'll know right away that she's not. Um, but uh, my good friend, Tosh Salter. Um, what's up, Tosh? Hey. How are you, How doing, you doing? I'm good. All right. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah, sun's out in Portland, so that's like a huge, mm-hmm. a huge win for for everybody. But um, no, thank you again yes, for taking the time. Um, I, I'm so excited and so thankful for you because you've been supportive from day one, and um, you've wrote, written notes, which I didn't expect, but I'm, I'm very appreciative of. So you can help me out a lot. Um, but no, yeah. So I've gave I've gave everybody listening kind of my take on how we met and how we know each other. But would love for you to kind of do the same and, and give a little intro about yourself. Yeah. So um, you and I met at Addy mm-hmm. um, when I was working in the running department, and um, Nick Roche is a common denominator mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and yeah I, I honestly i just remember you bringing boxes of shoes to us and <laughs> yeah. kind of helping yeah. us look through and giving us feedback on what you thought looked good and what you thought mm-hmm. looked like a piece of shit so <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> no so that so if, and then maybe we'll get into this later but i was i was talking to another friend of ours and and the story that i remember is so tasha's a badass you'll see that soon but but she's always well as far as i've known her she's always been like a no-nonsense person and so i remember sitting in meetings and being like nope that's not the kind of person that i want to i want to be on the on the bad side of so it makes sense that she doesn't remember too much of when we first started but um but no but then since then yeah like nick roche obviously is that common thread common denominator um became good friends outside of work and then mm-hmm. yeah i think in our friend group which this is is so sad to say but i think you and i are probably the older ones um you you're like mama tosh and i haven't been given I, the term I, um, yep. I haven't been given the term papa matt or anything but, but we are on the older side not by much not yes. by much but uh on the older side so um i think yeah. you're giving me some some credit right now because I am definitely on the oldest side. <laughs> we we are on the other side. But um but yeah, yeah, so we all we all kind of got really close outside and Nick and Cass are obviously very, very um close friends of ours, as well as like just the whole group of mm-hmm. of I feel like the running community slash like some other cats mixed in there. But um but no, that's great. So yeah, again, thanks so much for taking the time. Um uh yeah, so we we've kind of talked pre- pre-production um so yeah i'll just kick it off to you and kind of go ahead and give it give me give me where where the journey begins yeah so um to anybody that hadn't noticed i do not have an american accent it is a british one um and i know that if my mom does listen she'll be hoping that i'll be doing my best enunciation and making sure that people can actually understand what i'm Uh trying to say because whenever i go home um i kind of i grew up in a tiny tiny village it wasn't even a town it was a tiny village there were like traditionally 28 people 
in my year in school um all like growing up up until the age of like 10 so when I started at middle school where they were like it went from 10 uh, it went from 20 to like 100 people um wow. so yeah it was like 300 people in a school so when I hear like you guys talking about American high schools and like <laughs> what uh-huh. how many stars it was and how many people I'm just like it blows yeah. my mind because yeah, yeah I, I grew up in a tiny place uh-huh. um where I live next to a railway track um that <laughs> the, the this park was, was yeah yeah, go on. No, wh- where was this exactly? What was the name? Um, so the place I grew up is called Breeden. Breeden, okay. <laughs> Breeden, yep. Um, uh-huh. And it's near, it's basically in between Worcester and Gloucester, which is how I can, you know, say the weird New England place names because they're named mm-hmm. after where I grew up, basically. Mm-hmm, right. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, I've, I tell people I'm in between Birmingham and Bristol because it's like the it's the biggest places nearby. Uh, mm-hmm. um, fortunately, most people most people that I talk to are like, "Oh, where in London are you from?" I'm like, there's a whole other country out there yeah, outside yeah. of London. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I as I said, I grew up in a pretty small place. Um, we you knew everybody in your year at school, mm-hmm. um, and yeah. I was never, I wouldn't say I wasn't creative growing up. Like my dad had a big influence on me and my brother growing up. Like mm-hmm. he was, he kind of like taught us how to use power tools and like would help oh, us yeah. build things. And so I've yeah. been really like, I've kind of, I've done that since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, right. my brother made um, like forts in the back garden that were yeah, like nice. two story forts, like tree yeah. houses and things like that was kind of, that was how I grew up. And, yeah, just yeah. being very practical and very hands-on and um yeah so around I mean the way it works in the UK is it's kind of different that like at the age of 14 basically you have to decide what you want to be oh. um and select yeah select courses for high school and um state form so freshman sophomore year mm-hmm. of high school you're kind of already you've figured out what it is you want to do yeah um and you've narrowed down what courses you're studying and all mm-hmm. of that stuff so kind what, of can you can yeah. you kind of talk about what the options were like what were the different like yeah what, what were the options that you got to, to pick from at such a um, young age so there was there was a lot like so at at 14 you kind of get told you have to take English language English literature maths maths <laughs> with an s okay <laughs> and then science um so oh. I did double science which basically split um chemistry physics and biology into separate courses Mm -hmm. um so I got a double science so you can get single science Mm. or double science okay um and then you can basically pick from every other pretty much every other course that you could think of so um I did history drama and food technology those were my kind of three choices but did did you say food technology yeah food tech what it was so basically like like you you (laughs) what is that you 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 do cooking you cook for two years okay yeah uh okay so i think i think for for the americans listening i think the 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 comparison is to like a home economics yeah yeah i think that's that's the right one okay yeah so okay so you you were picking your courses, but I, so I thought I thought you were picking like a profession, or you're like, oh, I want to be a blank. And no. wait, is it so? Is that, is that what it was? To. Or 
Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. So basic, what, what kind of professions like, was it? Um, I mean, it's it's more like at the age of 16, you pick because obviously at 18, you're applying to specific courses at college. But right. anything that you do from the age of 14 has to feed into what you do at 16 and then uh, into what you do at 18. Oh, oh got it. So, got it. yeah, at 16, I was like, oh, I don't know what I want to do. <laughs> I, I um, just finished cooking for two years. <laughs> right. Uh Um, kind of want to do something creative. I mean, there were a lot of things that went through my head. Like I wanted to be a PE teacher Mm, when I was younger. I wanted to be in the army because I wanted to be a PT, like school trainer in the army. Yeah. That's interesting. My mom wanted to be in the army as well. Um, But she had knee. Yeah. I wanted to do hairdressing for a while, Uh which Which you still kind of do. Yeah. Yeah. I still do. Yeah. 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 Um, I wanted to do that. I looked at interior design. I looked mm. at, I mean, drama. So I, I thought about going in and studying at like um, the Royal Vic. Which in Bristol, so is that, is that, which is like, is that like Julia? Kind of, yeah, but it's like okay. specifically for acting. Like, right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. so it's, it's even more yeah. specialized. It's even more specialized. Whoa, yeah. that's interesting. So, yeah. I, okay, so. That's very interesting. So I'm going to stay on that for a bit. Did you, did you ever, so you didn't go though, did you? Or did you attend it for a bit and then came back now? Okay. No, no, I just kind of, I was like, I, I went in circles as to what Mm -hmm. I wanted to do. And finally, like when I was going into sixth form, which is yeah, sophomore, freshman year, um, I kind of really jumped on textiles um, Uh as something that I really liked and I, I hadn't done it. I, I did it at 13 as like first year of high school, but I hadn't mm. done it in the two years before. So mm. I was like, okay, textiles could be something, art could be something as well. Right. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of when I really felt like the first time was like, I don't, I don't know if I'm in the right place, you know, because, mm-hmm. because I hadn't done art at yeah. 14, 15, they wouldn't yeah. let me do art at 16. Got it. Um, got it. But I, I had a really great textiles teacher. He was like, absolutely, come on in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that was kind of what became my world for two years. And um, so, yeah, I, I studied textiles and that was kind of what got me into the path that I'm in currently. Got it. No, that's, that's um, which, cool. That's, yeah, that's, that's, I mean, that's very interesting that, uh, I mean, to hear just everybody's story of like how they got to this place. And then to hear like army was a, was an option or an, a thought for a bit. Um, you were doing some food tech tech stuff, which is, I, I still yep. have to Google that later, but, <laughs> but okay. Okay. So in this, in this time, you're trying to figure out who you are and then you kind of landed on this and like, okay, this ended up being what you, what you have been doing kind of ever since. So um, I, I think, and we'll get to this later, obviously, but, but have you up until this point in your life, have you, had the, the feeling of like, I'm not supposed to be here yet. Or was that still festering or does that happen a little bit later on in life? No, I, I would definitely say like 17, 18, as I was starting to apply at universities and, you know, go on interviews and mm-hmm. things like that. It definitely felt like I didn't have a background in art. Like, mm-hmm. so they, because they hadn't let me take art, I didn't mm-hmm. feel like I was meant to be on these interviews. And so right. I, I mean, I picked a very specialized 
course mm-hmm. to decide that I wanted to do. Like, as I said, I yeah. kind of, I, I, I went round and round within design specialisms. Um, right. I looked at doing kind of like interior architecture, like spatial design. So mm-hmm. setups of booths and things at exhibitions and mm. um, looked at apparel design, obviously, and yeah. then ended up uh, footwear design, which was, yeah. which was like what I, what I studied and where like, where I was like, okay, this is it. And yeah. that was purely off of a conversation that I had with my mom who mm-hmm. found the course on the course guide. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was like, hey, you should just do course this. Guide, he was like, well, you like shoes. Like you, you, <laughs> you've always liked shoes. Like I Every, you've always you. worn shoes. <laughs> <laughs> That's Just so like, cool. I remember you being five years old and like uh-huh. you had these red, I had these red, I can't remember if they were patent or if they were suede, but like I had these red boots that I just like yeah. wore constantly. Mm-hmm. And she kind of recalled this story to me. And yeah. that was basically what set me on the path of footwear design. Wow. I was like, okay, well, you seem to think I can do it. But yeah. in my head, I was still very much like, I don't know. I feel like a yeah. fraud. I haven't done, you know, so between going to a specialized art course in the UK Mm -hmm. you kind of do a foundation year where basically you just explore like a ton of different mediums within art including um like sculpture and painting fine art like Mm -hmm. design like it's not most people don't come out of school and go directly into such a specific design course the way that I did um and I mean my thing was because it was such a like because footwear is such a specialized thing like there were only three courses in the whole of the UK mm-hmm. that even offered footwear design courses and yeah. because I got my heart so set on doing footwear design I was like mm-hmm. well I've got to get into one of these places otherwise like what, yeah. what am I doing right um so I was I was going and interviewing and kind of having to do you know portfolio showing and things like that and because I didn't have the foundation design course background, like I knew that what other people were showing in interviews were very, Mm. like was very different to what I was showing. And actually I remember being in my university. So I went to London college of fashion and I remember being in the interview for LCF Mm. and there was another girl in the room. They kind of split us up. So there was me from a footwear side and then there was a girl applying to the accessories course. She basically turned up with a suitcase. Oh, wow. And out of this suitcase, (laughs) she pulled out like Uh all of these bags that had been like made from like Meccano. Oh, geez. So she was, and and you, I'm guessing, didn't have anything compared to I didn't have shit. I I had had a book, like I had a portfolio Uh book of sketches. I was like, I don't don't have any of this shit to show. Like, interesting. Do you you still know? Who that do you know who like who that girl was? Did she end up like becoming no. anybody cool? No, no okay. idea. And I didn't I didn't see her on on the course. So I don't okay. think she got accepted. Oh, interesting. See, yeah. so you don't really you don't need all that. If you're listening, don't waste your no. time. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, I don't know anything about that. So I'm just gonna shut up now. But okay, so that that was the interview. You had a very different path coming into that. Mm-hmm. Um obviously from from your uh, co-interviewee, um I wouldn't say it was a, it was a preparation thing, but they just had a different level of, of experience at that point. Um, okay. So yeah. then, so you were, but ultimately they, they picked you and they, they, they were like, yep, let's do it. Right. Yeah. So I actually got rejected from every other school that I applied to. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> and 
And I was expecting to have heard by a certain point, like when I, like if I'd got accepted and it didn't yeah. happen. So like, oh, I, didn't, no. I didn't hear anything to say yes or no. And so I ended up oh, having to like reach out to the college and being like, hey, like, have you made Whoa. a decision? And yeah. it, it, somewhere along the line, like between the company that kind of sends out the information to the applicants and the school itself, like there was some disconnect and the mm. information didn't get shared properly. Okay. But yeah, I, I, I just remember crying, like being mm. sat in my parents' front living room. Yeah. And my mom came in and she was like, you got in? And I was like, no, I didn't. Oh, wow. I've rejected. I've been oh. rejected from every other school. Like, yeah. this was the last school that I was to hear from as well. Yeah. So oh, I was it. like, oh, shit. Like, what do I do if this, if I don't get in? And yeah, was, yeah. Yeah. But you got in. Yeah, and got, so. and I got and, in. Uh-huh. And then what happened? How did, how did, how was your experience and, there? We're, we're like, and I guess, cause I know we're, we're going to talk about it a little bit later, but as far as mm-hmm. like, like coming in already, you, you didn't have the background that most of your peers I'm guessing had, um, yeah. but were there, were there a lot of women in these courses or, or what was the breakout there? Yeah, weirdly. Um, so my, my course had the longest course title I think that's ever existed within <laughs> uh-huh. universities. Uh-huh. It was product design and development for the fashion industry. Okay. <laughs> and then uh-huh. there was another bit. So it was specializing in. Oh, And wow. that was split into like, yeah. So then there were like three sections within that course title. So it yeah. was specializing in apparel, specializing in Cordwainer's accessories and Cordwainer's footwear. And wait, hold on. I was on, what, I was on. What was that? What was that first word? Coordinating? Cordwainer's. Cordwainers. Cordwainers, yeah. Yeah. What is that? Cordwainers is like is the actual school. It was the oh, school name. Okay. okay um okay, okay. and it, it it kind of it relates to um it was basically it started off as a leather company. So like oh, it was okay, a leather okay. school that used to teach people how to make saddles and oh, like horse stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh-huh. horse stuff. <laughs> and then it kind of it yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know how else to explain no, it. That's fine. But like, make saddlery and shit like that, and then yeah. um, it kind of it transformed into like the school where like Jimmy Choo went to my oh. school and the Jimmy Choo, the Whoa. Jimmy Choo. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, cool. I mean, it, it weirdly it kind of makes yeah makes the <laughs> it, the fact that that was the only school I got into kind of like oh shit like yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. If Jimmy Choo went here and I went there, like, yeah, then, there's, yeah. Like, there's, there's a few other people that, like, uh-huh. that came through the school. Um, yeah. But, yeah, Jimmy Choo was kind of who they hang their hat on as, like, Got graduate it. Okay. from Cordwainers. And, yeah. Okay, so I, I didn't mean to derail yeah. you, but, but so, yes. so that, that was the, so those are the, that was the title of the course. That was and, the title and, of yeah. the course. It mm-hmm. was separated into these three different buckets of, accessories footwear apparel right. and actually there were only two got two guys i think in my first oh, year interesting. Mm-hmm. there were only two guys on the footwear pathway interesting. um there were there were a couple more on the apparel pathway actually mm-hmm. one of the guys that was on the apparel pathway had been an actor in a previous life and then became an actor again after college oh wow. um, he was in community he was like really a, pop pop he was the pop pop guy on really oh yeah because yeah. that dude that dude is like from he's like british i guess is that is that yeah yeah wow he, like we were in we were in college together at the same time 
Wow, um, man, that's so yeah. that's so interesting. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so 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 then the breakout there to answer the question is like so it was, it was actually mostly it was predominantly women. Mm, got it. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, and from 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 at least like the footwear side of things, like so my my course was like very technical. Like yeah. we learn everything within the process. So we were mm. we were learning like obviously sketching techniques, like drawing, but we also then went into technical details of how to make patterns. So like pattern construction for footwear, um, we did clicking and closing, which is mm-hmm. like the fancy term of like actually building the shoe. Um, okay. So yeah, we would we would cut pattern pieces, we would stitch everything by hand. Like it was a mm-hmm. very like traditional footwear way of making and learning. Yeah. Um, they had some machines that we now see within the industry and things. Um, yeah. But it was like, you had to like talk to Ian who was the um sample room guy and he would like do certain parts of the process because it was like you can't have 19 year olds uh play with play with these machines (laughs) yeah um so yeah yeah it was was definitely like a full-on full-on course in just in in the basics of footwear and footwear construction and you know there was there was a lot else like outside of what my day-to-day course load was you mm-hmm. know I did fashion merchandising and styling and you know you yeah. could take additional things I mean one of I think the only essay I ever wrote was about sex in the cinema and how the role of sex and fashion kind of come together within oh, cinema wow. yeah yeah that's it. No, I mean, <laughs> I would love to get my hands on that essay uh, at some point, but, um, but no, that's, that's crazy. And so, okay. So to kind of recap real quick. So, so yeah, didn't know what to do early on in like high school age, and then mm-hmm. was able to find a way to get into this design and, and footwear apparel or footwear. Yeah. Design school. And then started going to the course and then um so you were able to learn a lot in that in that university stage and then what was what was the next what did what did that end up uh, or where did you end up after that so the way that my course worked there was two ways you can do it either you did three years straight and you Mm -hmm. just went year one two three or you could do this thing called a sandwich course where you did two years then you would go and work in industry for a year and then yeah. you would go back and you would finish up the course in your fourth year. And yeah. that was actually what I ended up doing. Um, and I've, I mean, I very nearly went back and just did three years. Mm-hmm. Um, but about two weeks before I had to decide whether I was going to go back and do my final year, um, I I'd interviewed like, cause I, I figured I wanted to do year in industry, just get some experience and kind of right. understand how, footwear worked outside of this very like microcosm of handmade shoes um and I applied for a couple of internship positions in London Mm -hmm. but they were only paying for transportation so they would pay for me to get to work and from Mm -hmm. work but I had no means to live in London if I wasn't getting paid for a job so I really needed like a paid internship yeah. And so two weeks before I kind of had to just decide if I was going to go back and finish at school um, or if I was going to do an internship, I, I actually got a phone call from um, a guy in Germany who yeah. was at Addy. Yeah. Um, and he he kind of called me and said they had an intern at that time who had been on this 
same course as me. Um, and so he was reaching out to some people on my course as well and was like seeing if they were interested in doing an internship. So mm-hmm. I had probably like a 30, 45 minute phone call with him. Yeah. Um, and he was like, great. Like, thanks for the time. We'll be in touch. And 30 minutes later, I like, kid you not, it was that quick. He called me Whoa. back and was like, yeah, we would love to have you. Damn. Um, and I was like, oh, sh- oh okay. Yeah, like, yeah. Asked all these questions. It was, it was a paid internship. Like, obviously nice. I had to get myself to and from Germany, but like right. just the opportunity of being able to be paid to learn yeah. something. I was like, wow, this is, this is going to be amazing. So yeah. my internship was with Y3 um, okay. oh, within the fancy. sports style department. Yeah. Mm-hmm. started yeah. at the top and it's been a slow down <laughs> no, I'm, uh, no, I'm kidding uh-huh. yeah <laughs> but not really <laughs> right yeah I, I know um, so, yeah. so that was an internship um okay mm-hmm. and then and so you did um, that for for one summer or how long how long did that last no so I it was a six-month internship mm. and then I managed to somehow um, get a three month extension and then it was a month and then a month and then a month. So I yeah. actually ended up staying there for 12 months. Oh, damn. Um, so yeah, I, I did 12 months. I, I went in initially as a color and material designer, um, mm. for Y3 specifically. And then this was kind of around the time that silver SLVR, which was mm-hmm. kind of, it was, it was the, I don't want to say it's a diffusion line. It was kind of, it was what Neo started at. Mm, um, okay. So Neo for anybody that doesn't know was kind of like for a younger consumer. Um, oh, the right, silver yeah. stuff was supposed to kind of be like a cause level of lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't like sports style performance, like the, the Yoji Y3 stuff had been, it was very much just inspired from fashion and lifestyle specifically. That was just kind yeah. of like a top end originals mm-hmm. proposition, yeah. um, just under the sports style banner. That was when Addy had three different, three different yeah. badges. Now yeah, we're yeah, back yeah. to two. So right. yeah, that mm-hmm. was, that was kind of around that time. And mm-hmm. yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, that, 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 that's so mm-hmm. interesting. The other side of of the industry. Um, okay, so internship, that's going well. And then, is there anything else before you graduate that's that's of note or, or kind of to kind of tie it back into like the 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 theme, I guess, of the of the podcast? Yeah, I mean, I didn't have the best relationship with mm-hmm. my um professor like she wasn't she wasn't a professor she was just kind of like basically the guidance like she was Mm. kind of a tutor I guess that she was like Uh we had to go in in our final year we had to pitch our projects to her and kind of she had to like at least be aligned to it she Mm. she she was a (laughs) (laughs) we get it we get it I won't say the word but her and I did not exactly see eye to eye and Honestly, coming out of my time with Addy, like having been such a big company and knowing, kind of seeing end to end how the process works, like what the right. role of a marketing person is and what the role mm-hmm. of development is. Like I felt very, like I felt like I had a good knowledge of how the industry actually worked. I mean, I know it was on a very small scale in terms of the size of the team within right. Y3, but like just knowing even how a team that size functions within such a multinational company, like was huge for me. And to go back into this small 
college that was very much only about handmade shoes and like mm-hmm. delivering luxury goods. And yeah. it, there was just a very strong disconnect between what I'd seen and what the school was trying to promote. Right. And right. so my, I, I came out of my internship feeling very like renewed about where I saw my life going. And I knew that color and materials was where I wanted to be like footwear design. It was good, but it wasn't, I didn't see myself drawing shoes for the next 20 years. Like it just, it didn't really pay much heed to me. Um, And so I just, I knew coming out that as long as I was happy showing my portfolio to, you know, people and companies and I felt good about the stuff that I was putting out I didn't Mm -hmm. honestly I didn't care what grade I came out of college with and so that kind of that caused a lot of friction between my tutor and myself because she kept pushing me of like well no this is terrible like I'd spent time doing like actual tech packs and the work that we do within the Mm -hmm. industry um working on color stories and rollouts and like actual things that I knew were needed other than just like making an amazing lastage shoe at the end of the day that could go on exhibition like Mm -hmm. I I just I just knew that what I put out into the world in terms of my portfolio showcasing right as long as I was happy with that I I just didn't really care about the rest of it and so Mm -hmm. that was the biggest thing I think going into my final year at at school of to like I'm okay if if these people don't like the work that I'm putting out because I feel Mm -hmm. good about it yeah. Um, so despite like coming from as a, as a 14 year old making cooking food and then trying to figure out if you want to go to the army or you want to do this or whatever, and then going into university where you decided you want to do something in with design and, and footwear, mm-hmm. um, not having the portfolio that others have, but still have like a, a passion for it. Um, and then getting to that stage and then kind of grinding it out, finding yourself at um, Y3 and Adidas in Germany and, and doing the internship and, and kind of learning uh, a different side of the business that you weren't learning in school, which I, I think is very valuable. Um, and then so, OK, so then you use that, you get to a place, it's time for you to graduate. Um, what is what's the next move for Tosh? The next move for Tosh was unemployment. Okay. <laughs> Got it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Got it. What did, what, did, um, what, did, what did that entail? Like, what was the, like, were you applying for jobs and just not, nothing came about or was that yeah. like a, a uh, no. you decide? Okay. I was, I was applying for jobs. I knew that I wanted to be back in, in the industry and it wasn't necessarily that I wanted to be back at Addy. I just wanted, I mm. knew I wanted to be in the industry. So I was right. applying uh, in the US. So I was applying at like New Balance and um Converse. And oh, I think wow. I probably put a couple in uh, I put a couple of applications in at Nike when I yeah. was first starting yeah. out. Yeah. Obviously Addy and Puma and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um and there was literally nothing. Like mm-hmm. I know like now in hindsight, I know that Addy was kind of undergoing a hiring freeze. Like there was a lot of stuff that was happening at the time. Right. Um and so I after, after my internship, honestly, I moved home and I lived at my parents' house. Mm-hmm. And so 
having spent a year living on my own and kind of mm-hmm. living by my own rules to then going back underneath my parents' roof and right. my mom, me turning up at half past 12 at like <laughs> half past midnight yeah, from yeah. the pub. My mom yeah. is sat watching TV and she's like, what time do you think this is? And I'm like, this, this is early. Like, <laughs> yeah. I've been down the pub, like the pub yeah. 200 yards away from my house. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah, was, living, it was living a massive <laughs> shock to do yeah. that for a year. Yeah. Um, and so I, I kind of said to myself, okay, I need to get out of my parents' house. Mm-hmm. Um, it had been 15 months and mm-hmm. I was like, Mm-mm. no. Um, okay. So, so I'm, during, I'm these, 15 months, jobs at Addy. during yeah. these 15 months, you, um, so were you, were you still, were you actively applying or were you just like, what did it get to a point where you're like, you know what, let's just like get, put it on hold for a bit, see what happens yeah. and then pick it so, back up. So those 15 months include like my last 12, like my last year at college. So it was like, I graduated in, I want to say like the June and then sort of June until February was when I was like Mm. looking for roles. So it was like, it was probably a good six months that I was just like, oh shit. Like I drew, I I got unemployment twice and I felt so guilty about the fact that I was getting unemployment because I felt like I've not put anything into the system. So why am I taken out of the system? And so, uh, yeah, it just, that kind of like puts, puts a fear of God into you of like, Oh my God, like I need to do something like, so I, yeah, I ended up working in pubs and bars and just doing like that kind of work, just anything, honestly, to get out of the house yeah. love my parents to pieces but right. like after after that amount of time I was just like I I need to not be here yeah. um and then my mom again oh. found a job wow so <laughs> your mom like, I I, yeah my your mom, mom deserves a bunch like, of credit for your, your entire career like it would be yeah. you would be in yeah. the army right now if not for your mom yeah, I mean, this is she's the woman that used to drive me and four other girls to like Sunday morning hockey games around the UK. Yeah. Wow, that we had to get up at like six o'clock in the morning and drive because it was a 10 o'clock pushback. Like, yeah, shout yeah, out, mom. That's, that's that's my mom. Yeah, yeah, um, okay, cool. Um, so, so, so then, okay, so then what is the what what's the role? When, when did when did you finally land that gig and what was it? My job was working on a campsite in France. Wow. <laughs> okay, what do you mean like working on a camp? Like a like a camp camp? Like to the in like, the woods, like, like bonfire? Kind of kind of. No, okay. it was kind of no, it wasn't really a camp counselor sort of a role, but basically like there are these holiday companies where you can uh, you can like go and you can stay in a mobile home like, like a resort like a double wide yeah like a resort so, so i went okay. and worked on one of those and i was basically like cleaning for a summer and ah, yeah so no no it. design like, involved no design involved yeah, yeah. i this was just a I was job cleaning job. up after people yeah <laughs> got it okay and getting a tan and how long did, how, how so, long did that last <laughs> February till October. It was okay. like you do it in seasons. So oh, there right. are people that do a summer season and then they'll do a winter season. So then they'll mm-hmm. go and work on like a chalet at like a winter resort, like ski mm-hmm. resort. Yeah. So I just did a summer season. And when I came season, I was like, okay, if I don't have a job back at Addy, yeah. by you know, I gave myself a year pretty okay. much. I was like, if I don't have a job at Addy by the end of next year, uh-huh. I am gonna work whatever job I need to save up so much money and I'm going to go to yeah. Australia. 
Okay. That okay, was, so that, that was my plan. That was and a backup plan. So I put that out in the world. Yeah. Uh-huh. Put that out in the world. Went and worked. A friend got me a job at the company she was working at, which was a uh-huh. pest control company. Oh my goodness. So I was a key. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let that one sink in. Um, I was wait, a key wait. account manager. Okay. Okay. We can skip over that one. That was like, that was the, a very bad part of my life that I would oh. rather forget. Okay. Um, and then <laughs> the, feb- the following February. So like uh-huh. I'd, I'd been in this job for maybe like three months. Um, right. The following February, actually on my birthday was when oh. I had my interview back at Abbey. Oh, awesome. And I was in Germany on my birthday. Uh-huh. I still had friends that worked there that I was friends with when I was an intern. So I kind of like went to the pub with them when I was over and yeah, all of this kind of thing. And mm-hmm. they they kind of actually brought this up in my interview. They were like, huh, you've applied like 60 roles. And I was like... Whoa, yep. that's crazy. Uh-huh. And this is all at Adi. All at Adi. Yeah. yeah. I because uh-huh. I think at the time I was kind of like, well, the, the confusing thing that I found and I still find with job like job postings and stuff within the industry is like right. they want a set amount of time of experience. And I was like, well, technically I've got that because I've been studying footwear mm-hmm. only for four years. So like right. I already have four years experience, but that doesn't count because it was only one year in industry. So mm-hmm. yeah, I applied yeah. for a ton of roles. Cause I was like, I think I'm at this level, but actually, you know, I wasn't. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So how, I, how did that go? Uh, <laughs> okay so did you end up getting that role or was that kind I of i did okay i okay. did i mean i got the role and what, what, I, what was I, the role the role was as a assistant color and material designer so it okay. was very bottom bottom of the rung mm-hmm. um it was it was in a time when being in color and materials like there was no real way to kind of get out of it yeah. um there was no progression within roles um unless like somebody went off on maternity leave so like my my team so I started in running and I was in running for eight years Mm. and that was between Hutso and Portland um, which we'll get to but um yeah I mean when I started it was my the color materials team was all women and it, it was marketing and design that were kind of more male okay. for sure like especially the design team when I started it was there was one female design footwear designer mm-hmm. um and Nicole Yang who was still in the industry somewhere uh-huh. she, her uh-huh. and I worked on uh bounce footwear like the old bounce so like yeah the the ball things that yeah, yeah. yeah. we worked on those like specifically for like Brazil and Latin America and so Whoa. yeah yeah got it okay so that was where i started okay so there so but you're in germany your team's mostly women and and you're direct on your direct team and then how long Mm -hmm. did you do that before you moved to the the united states i was in germany for five and a half years okay and in that That five years no you're good And, and in those five and a half years like were you able to kind of progress as far as like levels or or so tell me where where did you get to before you moved over to the United States and, and what was that move like for you? Yeah, so I I left Germany as a 
senior design manager okay. of footwear and of footwear color and materials. And when I left, I think my team, I think I had six at the time on my mm-hmm. team. Okay. Um, yeah. And I mean, the, the, as I kind of like briefly mentioned, like the, the, the only way to progress when I first started was if somebody left on maternity leave, they would yeah. put somebody in to backfill that position. Yeah. And then when they came back, they just happened to have two people at the same level. Like there was no oh, clear structure or org within color materials. Like it, there was within footwear design and apparel yeah. on, and on the apparel design side as well. There was yeah. a very structured way. And so you knew what you had to do to kind of move up to the next level, like on, on mm-hmm. color material side, it, it wasn't. And yeah. a lot of the time it just kind of was based off of how long you've been in the team as oh, to who gotcha. got the promotion first. Mm. Um, and that's, that's not saying anything against the people that I know that got promoted above me because they were great managers. Yeah. They were really good at their job, but you know, it within our team, like it was kind of acknowledged between ourselves that like yeah. it was based off of length of time rather than necessarily, you know, whether you were deserving of a promotion, not saying yeah. that the people weren't deserving of promotion, no, but yeah. Good. That was just kind of the way that it, it seemed to fall. Um, yeah. And I mean, that was the really strange thing because across color and materials, across the brand, like it was, it was a very female centric team. Like yeah. until, until this guy Fabio joined, I I maybe worked, there was only one other guy, I think that was on the, the color and materials team across the, across the brand, like wow, within Germany, like yeah. there are a couple guys in um, Portland, Fred and Jules were over in Portland, but mm-hmm. because we didn't have like huge daily interactions with them, like yeah. it was just based off of what the team in Germany looked like. And, and that was pretty much women. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so then coming but, to the United States, very different or same? Very, very different. How very so? Different. I mean, on like on the running side, it, it wasn't like okay. because because running was split, like I already knew the people that I was working with mm-hmm. on on the running side, mm-hmm. but just within I don't know, like just some of it wasn't, it wasn't that it was like that there were more guys on the team. Like it, yeah. it was nothing like that. Just to me, you know, the way that women are kind of accepted in society and mm-hmm. on, on a U.S. side, like it feels very different in the U.S. Mm-hmm. than it does in Europe. Okay. And so that was the biggest difference for me was that I, in no way when I was in Germany did I ever feel like, outside of things because I was female like when I moved Mm. to the U.S. it became very apparent that being a woman in this industry was a thing Mm -hmm. and I'd never experienced that sort of mindset Mm. before being in in Germany and I don't know if that was because you know I had women around me and you know some of my favorite bosses and managers have all been women Mm -hmm. and very strong women to that point you know like some of the people that I still have as mentors and continue to talk to within this company are yeah. women who have been around for a, for a long time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, moving, moving to the U S I think that was the first time that I realized, Oh, like I'm a woman in this industry and right. that it yeah. wasn't necessarily perceived the same way as it was 
back in Europe. So yeah, no, that's 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 crazy. I mean, and then like I know this because we've talked about it before, but but coming to America and kind of getting a, a culture shock for one, and then also uh, a, a work at work being in sh- in shock of like how you're treated and and how. Yeah, just how women in, in the industry are, are perceived, which I know nothing about and will never know anything about. So, so the, yeah, I'll kind of look to you for, you want to expand on that a little bit and, and kind of, again, like thinking about the the phrase of, of the show of like, did that kick in right away? And you're like, oh, I should have probably stayed in Germany or or just talk to me more about what, what it was like for you. Yeah, I mean... My American dream had been <laughs> a very long one. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, right. I, I knew I wanted to move to the US yeah. before I'd even been here. Um, right. And so none of it was to do with, you know, specifically working for Adi or if that move had gone to Nike. Like, yeah, none of that really played into it. I just knew that America was on my bucket list at some point mm-hmm. and that, mm-hmm. you know, I, I wanted to be here. I don't right. think... You know, it, not to say that I grew up naive. Right. Um, I mean, I think in some senses it was naivety as to what life in the US is actually like. Yeah. And that it's not everything that's perceived in film and TV <laughs> yeah, shows. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and just, yeah, my expectation of coming over here was that it was going to be because Addy is the same, like it's the same company. I'm not yeah, changing right. the yeah. company that I'm working for. So there mm. is no difference in leadership and the things that we stand for and right. you know, what the company is trying to get after. But yeah. even, even on a people level, like there were people that I'd worked with in Germany who had transferred mm-hmm. over to the U S. And so it wasn't even that I was working with different people. It was just within society, there was yeah. such a shift into yeah. gender roles yeah. And what is expected of, of a woman right. in the US versus yeah. the, the, like the UK and Europe. Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, I said this to you earlier, like, I think a lot of this comes from the visibility that we have to women in leadership mm-hmm. within, within Europe and the UK. I mean, again, not to mention my mom again, but like we were, yeah, she, we were chatting and yeah. because one of, she, she's a big um, part of this. We, we were, she is, she's huge yeah. part of this. Um, we were we were kind of talking because you know there was um potentially the first labor leader in the uk um Mm. she passed away last week and so we were kind of like talking about the role of women within politics and just like Mm. because we have a visibility to that we see women in power and we not like europe like it's just accepted and it's a thing like angela merkel has been chancellor of germany for years now mm, and it's mm-hmm. just like it's just a thing like yeah. it's it's nothing out of the ordinary whereas like I feel like when Hillary ran presidential campaign like yeah. it was it was a very new thing and it it's yeah. kind of just like ooh, not quite <laughs> sure because it's an unknown yeah. but yeah. I feel like obviously with with Kamala being um Joe Biden's running mate like I'm yeah. I'm hoping that the tide is shifting now mm-hmm. um mm-hmm into kind of more of an acceptance that you know women can have a seat at the table and, and I feel like yeah for sure absolutely yeah I mean yeah there's you know like so many podcasts out there and like women within not necessarily like sneaker industry but like the industry in general who were kind of like having to remind people that you know like yeah. 
there are women here and we we deserve to be at the table and mm-hmm. so these are the steps that you should take as well like it some of it feels very like lean in for example like yeah 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 just the whole idea of lean in it feels like it's it's on a woman's shoulders to like yeah have to say hey i'm here whereas there also needs to be some like acknowledgement and acceptance on on like the male side of things of like yeah. oh shit i'm not giving this person this opportunity or i need to bring them along with me and it's just like yeah. it, it's it feels like a constant battle yeah, and sure. and that pains me to say yeah but i i know that honestly outside of the us i didn't ever see that or feel that like yeah and then how did your your perception of of what it was like to be I guess a woman on that team or in the, in, in that industry, how did it, how did it change over time? That's a good question. Um, I mean, it wasn't, it definitely wasn't an overnight shift. Yeah. It wasn't that like one day I woke up and I was like, Oh, things are different here. Like it did yeah. feel like it was kind of a very slow kind of movement into that. Mm-hmm. Some, I, I think the, the real first time that I really noticed it was when I had my first panic attack mm-hmm. and like that was that was when I was like oh shit like this thing this has been going on and subconsciously like yeah over the years and that's not to say it didn't happen when I was in Europe like mm-hmm. we've we've done like trainings recently and like kind of looking back historically at some of the things that I had to do in Germany to kind of like be considered a part of the team or mm-hmm. be a part of this boys club but like yeah I, I wouldn't at the time, like I didn't realize that like being one of the boys was like one of the tickets to get me in the door. Like mm-hmm. in hindsight it was, and that's not to say that, you know, being in Germany and Europe, it wasn't infallible and yeah. that it didn't happen. It just, it feels like because of the reaction that I had to it being such a strong thing mm-hmm. in the U S and, you know, the way that it came about through like, having issues with my mental health and panic attacks and like anxiety and depression. Like that was the way that I, I dealt with it. And I think Mm. previously I just would have kind of, because I felt like I had other people around me that were going through the same thing Mm -hmm. that it kind of felt like a shared trauma in in some way. Whereas now, because it feels very much like not to say that the women that I worked with in running over here, didn't feel the same way. Mm-hmm. um and had the same experiences um it it just felt very not I don't want to say singular as yeah. like in any way I don't quite know what the right word is but like yeah yeah coming from the UK when you had a team and you, you kind of said like shared experience but like you came here on your own so you were in a sense mm-hmm. like by yourself and and so and I think I mean at the at the core of like mental health we all experience it on it's like it's internal you kind of have to go home with it and deal with it on your own I mean mm-hmm. yeah and I don't I don't know that necessarily like I saw it as anxiety when I was outside mm-hmm. of the U.S. I feel like you know just there was just a, a shift I feel like in yeah. culture and in general around mental health and yeah. that's not to say that I didn't suffer with it before it, I potentially could have and just not yeah. like not been 
reticent to yeah kind of everything that I was feeling and Mm -hmm. not really paying attention to it but like when it when it actually became a physical reaction to mental like to having mental health issues it wasn't like and in my head this is how I'm feeling it it, like it actually manifested into something physical that was when I was kind of like oh shit like now now is the time to figure things out yeah Yeah, and, and that so that I think that's a good p- way to put it. So that physical reaction. Yeah, I mean, I after I had my first panic attack, I I was very like I went on Facebook and I posted about it. Oh wow! Uh-huh. <laughs> and I I got texts all through the night of just like, "Are you okay?" Like people checking yeah. in, like, "Do you want to talk?" Yeah. My a lot what, what of did, my what did, what, did, what did that post say exactly? Do you remember? It was a giant Uh, long paragraph. Okay. Okay. And so then, so then friends and family were, are start start to reach out and friends and family reached out. People that I, people that I worked with reached out and Uh my issues stem from a feeling of, I mean, it's basically the feeling that I'm not supposed to be here and that my worth is not appreciated. The knowledge that I have is not, good enough and so I kind of like I internalize everything I don't necessarily have OCD thoughts I've spoken to my doctor about this and she was like hey when I prescribe you medication like are you having you know OCD thoughts in terms of like you stick on one thing and then that spins Mm -hmm. rather than like OCD needing to like wash my hands a certain amount of times right um but like obsessive thoughts um so like I don't I don't stick on something I just I internalize everything. And mm. when I feel like I'm being attacked or not necessarily questioned, but like, Doubt I it. mean, we've, yeah, yeah, kind of. And like, okay. I mean, we, we've talked about this before. Like I like to drop nuggets. <laughs> I have always sort of sat on the sidelines and yeah. kind of come in and, and drop the nuggets and like health <laughs> wisdom and right, not right. necessarily needing to have like full mic drop like yeah, yeah. peace out yeah. i'll see you that, next yeah, time yeah. Uh-huh. but like i i kind of take things in system and then i will verbalize and communicate my thoughts my knowledge and things like that and so to yeah. feel like that's such a way of how i think like yeah. to feel that isn't not necessarily appreciated, but like that, that isn't received mm-hmm. and is then questioned and pushed back when like, I find it very difficult to talk to things that I'm not familiar with. And so yeah. like first time I meet people, I am so quiet. Like <laughs> people that once people get to know me, like they're yeah. like, why are you so loud? <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. And I, I will tell you, I'll tell you my life story once I've got to know you, but like first time that I meet people, like I'm so quiet. Like Mm. I'll just sit on the side. I'll let you kind of pitch yourself to me. And then I form an opinion about you. And then (laughs) that's kind of how I. Yeah. And you just, you decide you're like, is this person. Yeah. uh, I'm like, do I like this person? Are they worthy of my time? Sure. Um, And then that's kind of, and that's when I best. And that's when yeah. I invest in in the relationships and things. That's, so no, that's smart. I've always been very purposeful. Yeah, that's a good no, one. I've good. always been yeah. very purposeful in everything yeah. that I've done, and so mm-hmm. feeling like that's being challenged, yeah, is kind of what triggers me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so 
so much of who I am is based off of the knowledge and the experiences I have within the industry and being in footwear and especially color and materials that like when I feel like somebody is questioning my knowledge it it kind of hits extra hard and that's kind of that's what spins me the most I Mm. would say yeah for someone like you who has it's it's a very strong personality and it's like okay this person knows a lot about themselves they're very confident enough to kind of hear you like oh but uh, like it's all a front or it's all like a mm-hmm. defense mechanism necessity so, or, yeah, yeah yeah for sure like i i can remember the first time that i ever met liz callow and she is like she is one of my favorite human beings in the world like she has always looked after me and and the first time i ever met her she was over the color she was still in charge of the color team and and we kind of Mm. had a sit down in Germany and she was like, just want to go around the room, get to know everybody. And, you know, in the years since it's come out and she was like, I was scared of you the first time that I met you because you had this like quiet confidence. And all I could think was, I hope she likes me. And so to hear that from somebody that I'm like, you are like my hero. Like I have so much love for Liz uh-huh. To hear that from somebody, I was just like, oh shit. Like, yeah, yeah. It does make me consider like, what do I put out in the world? Like, how do, how do, and people, people have told me that like, that I come off as a bitch or that they don't want to approach mm-hmm. me and that I feel like I'm very <laughs> yeah. like standoffish and like right. stand back, like don't yeah. want to come up to me and don't. And yeah. I mean, it definitely, it is, it is as a result of being female within, yeah. within the industry and just kind of like, knowing certain things you have to do and shit you have to put up with and sometimes to put up with certain things that I've heard male colleagues talk about on trips and you know like the old saying Mm -hmm. like what happens in China stays in China but like hearing just (laughs) some comments and like just like all of that shit that happens and it's it's honestly the only way that I've been able to deal with it is to disassociate from it in mm. some ways yeah. and so I think that's honestly why I can come off as to like be this like hot face person that like doesn't take mm. shit and it's because like realistically half the time I'm not even listening if I'm gonna be <laughs> honest yeah yeah you yeah. know like uh, yeah I think because that, that's... because for so long like there have just been like all of these things that go on in the side of mm-hmm. like the boys club and, you know, having to just take steps and like act like a guy because it is so like yeah. male centric and, you know, like yes, within the colored materials team, like it has been very female focused and there has been a really good, like women leading women and women empowering women. But like outside of that, like within the industry, it, yeah, no, like yeah. everybody's out for themselves. Yeah. And so if, if I have to put that, you know, put that out there as to I'm also in the same, like I'm, I'm there as well. Like that's what I do. And yeah. I don't care about you. Like I only care about me. Like that, that might be the facade, but like internally there's still so much that, you know, I, I really want to be involved in and help women within the industry with and you know I mean the last couple of years um since I moved to basketball so I've I've been in basketball now for actually just over two years I think February Mm -hmm. two years ago was when I started Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Um, and a lot of me, a lot of my move from running into basketball was just because of some of the changes at the top within the running team. Like I didn't feel like were a good fit for me mm-hmm. moving forward. Having also been in the category for so long, like there had been so like I I basically worked on everything. Like I did ultra boosts and pure boosts and yeah. performance running models and Addy Zero and trail shoes and like pretty yeah. much anything that I could have touched within the running team, like uh-huh. I'd had a part in at some point. Yeah. Um, and so just like looking for a new challenge, but also within a team that I felt like I would be able to grow in right. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and didn't feel so like pigeonholed into, okay, she only does color materials. And there was, mm-hmm. there was now so little that I could kind of change yeah. In a way within running, because it had kind of like I'd managed to grow a team in Germany, like I'd grown business mm-hmm. in the US through Alpha. And so I was kind of like, I, I don't really know like what my next step is within running. So that was right. kind of why I was like, okay, I need That's to look fair. elsewhere. I need to look at yeah. categories that like could use some of my cash magic. Uh- yeah, yeah, your Tosh magic. <laughs> that kind of leads us to like the last part of the interview. Do you currently feel like this is where you're supposed to be or? Yeah, I mean, from from a mental health side of things, I definitely feel like I'm in a much better place. And, mm-hmm. you know, since since having the panic attacks, obviously, like, as I said, I, I started to get medication and, and yeah. I've been working with a therapist and she's like... I love my therapist. (laughs) I can't advocate enough for people going to therapy. Like I've recommended her to so many friends that I'm just like, can you give me a discount at this point? (laughs) Um, Yeah. 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 Or or, a referral fee, like a referral discount or something. Yeah. Just give me a referral bonus. Like it's fine. Um, But she's, she, she helped me so much. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I would still say that I definitely like suffer with imposter syndrome still. Yeah. Um, even as now a director of color and materials and being somebody that is like in charge of a like pretty giant team, like I'm gonna have yeah. eight people soon that will be reporting to me. And yeah, you know, I'm I'm being charged with running a business to profitability and yeah, like yeah. all of these big things that kind of get put on my shoulders. And so yeah, yeah. in some way, yeah, I still feel like I'm I'm not supposed to be doing this, mainly yeah. because I'm this like girl from tiny nowhere middle of the countryside England living in Portland working for the second largest sportswear company in the world right in a in a pretty important role and it just so happens that I'm female yeah (laughs) yeah that's a lot all of these all of those things kind of just like yeah but I also see it kind of and I said this to you before we even started kind of talking Mm -hmm. about what we would talk about but right it kind of feels like a challenge of yeah. sorts of like this is this is a com- this is the call to arms and you know I I want to be able to be like yeah I'm not supposed to be here but at the end of the day I'm here yeah and I I I have to make the most of it I while I have the opportunity and so for me kind of the the things that I've are really kind of like pushing me right now mm-hmm. um within my role not necessarily like building signature products and working with athletes like that's all great stuff that I'm really lucky to be a part of but for me it's more about like that next the next mm, right? right so yeah yeah how 
how I can work with, you know, the women of the seed program um, out of New York, um, how we can get more women into the industry, how I can kind of advocate for women on my team. um, You know, just like be there if, you know, people want to hit me up on LinkedIn and ask me questions or put in a 30 minute coffee chat with me. Like, yeah. I mean, male or female, like, I'm, I'm not saying that you have to be a female to reach out and ask me questions about being in the industry. But like my, my biggest thing now is like, how do I bring other people along? Because I mean, excuse me, next year I'll be at 15 years, Mm -hmm. um, in the industry, which I mean, people look at me and they tell, tell me I look 28, which is wonderful. (laughs) You do. You look 27. I do. You look 27. I I mean, thank you. Yeah. for you i think it's special um that you're doing that i think and I'll, i can add this later but how can they get a hold of you yeah so people can find me on linkedin just search natasha salter s-a-l-t-e-r um some people get confused and then my uh my work instagram is tash t-a-s-h underscore salter mm-hmm. and you can hit me up on there um i put that's kind of that's where i do all my work like my work stuff. So any Addy product, I've been lucky enough to work on like James Harden stuff, the exhibit B stuff with Compton mm-hmm. magic that recently came out. Some of our McDonald's all American stuff. Um, yeah. been working with, um, Alex Taylor for hoop York city, um, on women's collections. And then also like with Eric Emanuel, just name dropping some people. Yeah. You're like just, you're, I was like, damn, <laughs> you're just, you're just giving the, uh, the, the highlights. Um, but no, yeah. Is there anything else that you'd like to, to say before, before we end it? I, again, from my side, I, I, it's so great. And I appreciate you so much for, for being here and taking uh, some time out of your day to talk to me. It's, it's, you know, I can't, I can't stress enough how just grateful I am for people like you to have in my life in general, but also to, to support me in this, in this cause. Final thoughts. That's what it is. Uh, um... <laughs> No, I just honestly thank you for having me. Like it's yeah. yeah, I've I've kind of I've been thinking a lot recently about, you know, things that I want to start doing and yeah. you know how to start getting some message out because as I said, like I've I've been in the position that I'm in for long enough that I'm kind of realizing how important it is to start opening up what yeah. we do to other people that might not necessarily like get the visibility to you know what it even means to be a color material designer like some people don't even know it's a thing yeah Um, yeah so yeah just just thank you for like honestly giving me the platform to advocate and educate and yeah yeah, i'm just super excited to (laughs) hear myself back (laughs) yeah yeah it'll be it'll be good i promise you um all right tosh well again yeah. we'll we have to get together and, and grab a pint soon um so we'll schedule that mm-hmm. off off air but yeah, yeah. thanks so much uh, enjoy the rest of, of your day and, and we'll talk soon okay sounds good all right.